There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on Catch Cheat 2.0, Team USA wins a gold medal, but is the rest of the world finally catching up? And it was a crazy few days of transactions as the new league year opened up. Which teams moved impressed us the most? And who left us scratching our heads? The Kamish, Otto Strong, and I discuss it all. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? And with that said, hi, everybody, and welcome to another rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin, along with the rule maker. He is the governor. He is the league commissioner. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, what's going on, my man? With the uh, 31st pick in the, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, that, yeah, yeah. For, for those who, who uh, didn't catch us last week, so Vinny Goodwill, uh, long time friend, uh, uh, point out a certain resemblance to, to myself that I have with with a certain uh, sports commissioner that uh, would be one Adam Silver. So, all right, uh, is it safe to say that having Vinny on was one of the most fun shows that we've done? I oh, mean, absolutely. we've done this almost a year and a half now, and yeah. I don't know if I've laughed harder or there have just been better stories told than what Vinny gave us last week. Vinny was Vinny was great, but but the thing is about Vinny, like that's Vinny. That's like that's like you know when you when you when you cut a tree and you see the rings, like that that's that is that is who the man is to the to the core. So I mean, he, he's he's great, um, a lot of fun, extremely knowledgeable, and and uh, you know, wish him the best. So, so. yeah, absolutely. So, and tip of the cap to him for for joining us last week while he was mm-hmm. breaking news. I mean, mm-hmm. broke the lottery story, free agency exactly. was going on. It was yeah. a crazy day. We had Olympic basketball happening. You know what? The, you know what? You know what that is for Vinny. What? Monday. That's because that's the day we take. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, just, that's Monday. That's just another day in the loop, right? Just exactly. working in the association. That, that, that's all it is. Like. Please, that's- uh, all right. So the Olympics have concluded. Team USA took home gold. They revenged a or they avenged a loss against France. What did you take away from Team USA winning gold? Was it a little bit of a shock? And now do we all look silly for kind of questioning this Team USA? Well, I mean, like, like anything shy of perfection is, is, you know, like a stop the presses moment. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the one loss happened at the best possible time. You don't want, you don't want the loss to be in the, in the middle round. So, so lose, the, lose the first game, like, you know, keep, keep it moving. Uh, the, you know, the, the one, uh, you know, con- consistently, uh, if not perhaps as convincingly as what we are accustomed to, but you know, they, they, you know, the, the mission was the gold, they brought home the gold. So like, what more do you want? But having yeah. said that, you know, but, but, but having said that I could see how, you know, okay, let's put the, let's put the 20 or the 21 team, depending on their, I, I, by the way, are you a 20 
guy or a 21 guy, which, which we got. Well, it, it should. So here, here's the thing. I very much like that. I know that the Olympics happen every four years. Right. Yeah. And I very much like knowing that I know when to expect the winter Olympics because they happen right in the middle of the summer Olympics. So if I'm sitting here saying, you know, the 2021 Olympics, then I'm like, man, does that mean we got, we, we have like the 2022 winter Olympics next year, or are those happening in 23? Yeah. Like, so I like it in the fact that it helps me remember what years the Olympics actually take place in. So, so a little aside, so, uh, you know, which is already an aside, but here's the thing. I think that it was a mistake not to move it, not to call it the 2021 games. And here's why a hundred years from now, you know, just like, you know, look back a hundred years. Oh, the games were held in, you know, whatever year. Yeah. This, this should, there should be like, well, why were they held in 2021? I feel like that needs to be addressed. And so that it should have, we should have carried the, you know, carry the one, I guess it would be one way to put it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but anyway, I, like I said, I digress. Um, you know, just talk, just talking about this team, like, yes, they, they, they got it done. Would this team have beaten, you know, the dream team of 92? No, the dream of the 96 team. No, like it would have been interesting to see like all of the USA teams and where this team would have, would have stacked up. Where, where do you think this team would have, would have ranked? As far as some of the past Olympic teams, I don't think it's one of, I mean, what, this team has won four straight Olympic golds, right? Like if you were going to rank those four Olympic, Olympic teams, I think they're probably last, right? I mean, any team theoretically that has a Kobe, a Braun, or a KD all on it at the same time, that's an impressive uh, contention of players. What was intriguing about this one is I think we saw a lot of younger NBA stars step up in moments that they hadn't gotten to have at the Olympics, right? Like, like that Olympic team under Coach K had really aged. And because we'd seen them on the Olympic stage for so long, and, you know, you went off on your side tangent. People do not give these athletes enough credit for wanting to participate in these games, right? Like I thought that the broadcast crew on NBC did a great job of pointing out the fact that, Hey, there's absolutely no um, money exchanged hands at all for their participation in these games. Right. Like LeBron participated in years of the Olympics because he wanted to because he wanted to play international basketball. He wanted to represent the game. He knew how far it can bring the game, but he also wanted to be part of a long lineage of great Olympic basketball players, right? Like that was important to him. And that's what was so impressive about KD, who's been through what a year and a half of rehab when it comes to his Achilles had a tough season this year with the nets. You know, he comes off that three pointer that, was a two-pointer, could have been a three-pointer. He wore a shoe that was a size and a half too big, whatever, right? And then he turns around and has to play for the Olympic team and brings them home to gold. Like, those are the stories that, that are great to tell, but it's also to the point of we expect so much from these Olympic teams that regardless of what they do, we kind of poo-poo it, right? Like, man, we didn't beat Spain by 25. We right. beat them by 19, right? They needed a 10-point comeback or what was it, 15 against Australia, and it wasn't enough. Like, at some point, you need to recognize these international teams are now coming with five or six NBA basketball players that aren't intimidated to play these guys. Exactly, and the re but the, here's the thing. The reason why that's happening is because of Team USA, not, not, not necessarily this Team USA, that but is, the dream team going back to that 92. That is a tremendous point because what was the first thing Evan Fournier said after their first round win against the U.S.? They grew up watching this team. Yeah. They grew up watching these guys. They've yeah. watched Olympic basketball for their entire life, and it's been a moment that they've loved. Yeah, 
which which also says a lot like you know the, the first thing that evan fournier or evan fournier would have said in 92 after the game is can i have your autograph i mean that was one of the <laughs> things that got discussed you know, like the, the the players you know the, the so i'm playing you and you're you know beating my ass and then after the after the game like hey man can I have your autograph it's like it's, it's like by the way can you sign the back of my silver medal because right. like, <laughs> because it's it's like simone biles in gymnastics right like the entire olympic team had she been right expected to, to finish second they expected to take home yeah. a silver medal because yeah. she for so long in gymnastics has been head and shoulders above her competition and it has not been close and that is the perfect kind of parallel to where U.S. basketball has been for a long time. And so it begs the question, like everyone wants to ask this question, like has the world caught up to the U.S.? Not quite. Like there's still a pretty large gap in just the sheer number of NBA quality players, right, that chose not to play in this year's Olympics. But the better question is how much better has the world gotten? Right. Like, and just in the last 20 years, say in Olympic basketball, how much has the game improved globally? And it shows in the number of international players we now have playing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect example guy who's just signing his Supermax deal now with the Dallas Mavericks, right? Luka Doncic. Yep. Like, in 15 years, when he's had a really long uh, NBA career and Olympic career, where is he going to be in the conversation of greatest Olympic basketball players of all time? That, that's, that's an excellent question. I mean, look, I mean, I think you, you're going to have to bring him a medal. I mean, you're going to have to medal at some point. So, yeah. um, you know, he, even though he's played a long time, um, he's still only 22. And so therefore, you know, he's got, you know, in four more years, wink, wink, three years, <laughs> uh, which is another reason why I, the whole 20, 21 thing bothers me but anyway so so three years from now he'll be what 25 um you know prime 29 he'll still be in his prime even you could say um 33 okay you know you, you may be able to do that I, you know, and i kind of get the sense that i mean tell me if i'm wrong do you get the sense that international guys will go like if their legs are falling off they're still going to go when i say international guys like you know non-us players i don't know if it's that it's just well, like no, it's it's one hundred percent because yeah. the, the the way I view it, and you have to remember, and this is a great subject that I think future shows we should probably bring someone on on to talk about. <clears throat> the culture of American basketball is much different from the amateur stages all the way to the professional leagues, right? Like we, you you'll hear a lot on the telecasts of broadcasters talk about the AAU AAU circuit, the feeder systems in the college, the secondary leagues now that players have opportunities to go to. But you also don't realize the amount of times that these players, by the time they've even made it to an under 18, under 17, under 19 team, have already played for teams that don like the Team USA moniker, right? Like there are, I remember just when I played baseball, I played for two different Team USAs on the baseball diamond. And so you're like, yeah, it's cool by the time you make it to this stretch, but these guys have played for Team USA probably since they were 13 years old. Yeah. You know, we're at the national level for a lot of these other countries, like their, their feeder systems are more professional based. Right. So like you get into these clubs and you get into these professional leagues, but then when it comes to like represent your country, that's entirely different than what we have here. Right. And to, no, to your point, the under 19 team 
uh, was coached by TCU's uh, men's basketball coach, Jamie Dixon. And they were over in, uh, I believe it was Latvia in early July, yep. went seven and won the gold medal. So to, to your point there, there are, there's a collection of guys, a whole team that, of really good players and, you know, Americans who are, you know, do, basically doing this dance, um, you know, and I, what we would expect that, you know, we'll see them on the NBA stage at some point or, or, you know, perhaps not, you know, careers take different, different paths and never know. But, but to your point, it's, it, there's a, there's a lot that, there's a lot that goes into this whole apparatus that was USA basketball. And um, I want to ask you a question about, about Popovich, but I think the, the, the thing that people need to realize when they, when they talk about Pop and, you know, was, is he all right? Is he okay? What, what Coach K did and you know, the, the previous coach, he had guys basically sign up for like a, a long-term commitment um, yeah. pre-COVID, which is, you know, we, we got to acknowledge that. Um, I, I don't think that, that having the Olympics in 2021 on the calendar versus 2020 messed with NBA athletes the way that it messed with uh, Simone Biles and, and athletes who like for a year who's a really, really long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, four years in the cycle of a, of a basketball player is not, you know, is, you know, could make the difference between saying starting or bench. It doesn't make the difference between metal podium and not going. Yeah. Uh, at least it shouldn't. So, um, so the question about Pop is, do you, do you feel like he got his, you think he was rewarded in the end with the medal or do you feel like he, he has any explaining to it? Like, or do you feel like it's just, hey, this <sighs> It's it's tough because I I really like that you put it that with Coach K like he had these players sign up for a long term commitment right and he never had to deal with the evolving schedule that the NBA just had to do in the last year and a half right I mean think about this Otto we went from a shutdown in March to an accelerated playoffs in July that ended in early October to a new season starting the week before Christmas to an NBA finals concluding in early July to an Olympics. No, no, it, it concluded the 22nd, late, late July, right? Or, uh, late, 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 late July. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and in between that Popovich had to find commitments from players that more than likely were going to be playing in the playoffs that expected to have long runs in the playoffs. And then also get these guys who have already gone through basically a year and a half of just, tough, tough circumstances to play basketball at the highest level possible. And then to get them to commit to a training camp exhibition games. And then by the way, you got to go live in another bubble in Japan. Right. <laughs> and you're doing it all for free. part of it. So the fact that he was able to pull it off, I tip my cap to him because he does not run an easy system at all. And it could have been very easy to listen to the outside noise of, this team isn't doing enough. He's not getting enough from his secondary players. It's being put way too much on Kevin Durant's. Like, what has happened with Dame Lillard? But I thought we saw moments from players that in the next, what, three years when 20, 2024 happens, that you're going to see Tatum. You're going to see Adebayo, who will probably still be on this Olympic team, take big steps. And we saw a younger group of American basketball players that I thought come, came together and we're excited about. It. I mean, look at it. Summer league is taking place now. And what was the thing we saw yesterday? It was, you know, we saw Cade Cunningham play his first technical professional game for the Detroit Pistons. Right. But the story was Bam Adebayo just hanging out with his gold medal. <laughs> like that's the cool part about it. That's how the two mixed together. And so 
you know what? At the end of the day, he accomplished the goal, right? And that's how we all should be adjudged. Like if you finish the task that you signed up to do, it's good enough in my book. So absolutely. So uh, one guy has never gotten the chance to taste Olympic glory and through, through a just bizarre, semi-bizarre series of events is Steph Curry. Um, do you feel like, I mean, I think he'll be 36, if I'm not mistaken, um, basically definitely post 35 and the next time they go. Uh, do you feel like he should be like that 12th guy who's just there to shoot threes uh, uh, three years from now? I would love to say yes, because I'd love to see him on the international stage. But I think a lot of the answer to that question has to do with where the Warriors are in their roster construction, right? Like if the Warriors are a playoff team, like a lot of people expect them to be, then I don't think we'll ever get to see Steph on the international stage, Mm. especially if they're playing longer seasons. He's going to have more wear and tear on those legs, and he's going to have a larger commitment to the Warriors based on the contract that he signed. But yeah, man. I don't see him just out there shooting half court threes because I still think he's going to be effective when he's 36. Yeah. Well, 36 in summer 2024 and you know where we're going. Where is France? France. Ah, that was also, that was also a little veiled Hamilton reference. Uh, France. <laughs> see you in 2024. All right, Otto, let's move on. We just finished up talking about an Olympic basketball. The NBA new league calendar did begin, which, you know, last week we were talking a little bit about free agency. We were recapping the draft. And as we were doing this show, a lot of free agent news was breaking down. Let's start with some of the moves that the Lakers made. Mary know about Westbrook, but <laughs> look, at, look at this. Like LeBron's just bringing back all of his buddies, right? Like, like we got Dwight on this team. We got Melo. We got Kendrick. We got Kent Bazemore. Is this Lakers team, as you look at it now, as it's constructed, good enough to win an NBA Finals? Yes, and I'll tell you, and I, and I will tell, and I'll tell you why. Because a healthy LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis could have could have probably gotten you. You would have gotten you past the Suns. And probably would have gotten past just about anybody else they faced, and maybe the Bucks would have would have you know answered answered answer the bell. But but I kind of feel like I feel like there's they got enough. I mean, the question is whether they're going to be able to um, spread out those minutes and keep everybody happy because they don't have they got to have you know. I mean, Russell Westbrook is is the who knows who knows what's going to happen there. But the, yeah, go ahead. The first time you see, let, let, let's let's say this a Dwight Howard. An AD yeah. at the four, yeah. a Mello, a Braun, and a Westbrook out there together. <laughs> what, what's going to be your thoughts about that lineup? Because we're going to see it at some point next year. But like, are, are these, I mean, what's the collective age of those guys? Not to hamper on like ageism here, but like the NBA, you need some young guys, right? <laughs> you need well, Because the older you get, the more injured you get. And you just said it perfectly. Like if LeBron is healthy. If yeah. AD is healthy, well, that's that's the last that's few a, years those have not been givens. Yeah, LeBron. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm 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 with you. I mean, I feel like I feel like, uh, and, and do, do we? I don't think we know exactly when the season will start. I mean, no, so we don't, yet. you know, so we don't have a sense of exactly how long that off season will be. But obviously, the Lakers had a little bit more of an off season than than they probably would have liked. Uh, so you you think that they would have enough time for their for their stars to recoup? And the other guys coming in. I mean, I have a, I have a couple of random thoughts. I mean, some silly, some not so silly. Like, 
I kind of wanted, <laughs> I kind of wanted, I think I, I sent a, a, a text to you say like, hey, why don't, why don't they get Darko and just like com exactly. com complete the cycle, <laughs> you know, so from the 03 draft. Why did they not go out and just sign Chris Paul, right? Uh, like, know, and complete that been, the banana boat. That, well, That's what we all want, right? Yeah. Like that that would have been perfect. If you're going to bring in Melo, just yeah. bring in CP3. Let's yeah. get the so, game back together. Especially, yeah, especially since, you know, obviously in the stem of the ring, I mean that that would have been that would have been really cool, uh, but look, I mean Westbrook Westbrook you know likes to fill it up and, and at times he will need to be that guy uh, and I think they will appreciate having you know that guy on that squad, um, you know the, the the whole kind of moving the ball around part like that'll be the interesting that'll be interesting because that's not exactly you know with their better angels if, if I'm using the phrase correctly that's not like even after all these years that's not kind of how they're their mentality, those guys are wired. Uh, I mean, LeBron has obviously, you know, distributor, but he's still, he's still prone to pound the ball a hell of a lot. I, yeah. I, th I think so. He's, you know. he's going to help in the sense of if Ron needs a rest and they need a guy who can just take the basketball. And I've always said this about Russell Westbrook. A lot of people have hated his game for a long time. Yeah. I love him because I think he's got a lot of uh, the same traits that I like about Dame. It's just that I have this basketball in my hand and I know that I can beat you one-on-one -on -one and I'm going to showcase it and I'm going to do it right now. Like he's just going to take the ball out of the hoop. He's going to run and he's going to beat you down the court. And that's kind of always been his game. Now the shooting numbers have not been there for Russell Westbrook. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's going to be instances where Bron's going to need a rest or maybe Bron doesn't need to be bringing the ball up the court every single time. Like he has been. Right. And he can lean on Russ because Russ has been in some big time moments and he can trust him a little bit more, but you are right. Like for the majority of Bron's career, like he has played at a methodical pace, right? Like I'm going to just slice and dice you with passes. I'm going to beat you up mentally. And for the most part, that has not been how Russell Westbrook plays. It'll be interesting to follow how much Westbrook's game changes with the Lakers and how much he evolves as a basketball player, because for the longest time, Russell has always relied on his athletic ability and his just God given traits. And I do think LeBron's going to be able to bring out maybe another level in his game, just mentally with how they can dissect teams. Yep. Yep. So I want to ask you a, a, uh, a question on the Lakers and the longevity and all that. But first, what I want to do is, is, Talk about some other teams, and then I'll come back and we can talk about all, all those all those teams. Okay. Um, you know, so let's let's swing over to to the East for a second because there's a lot of a lot going on there. You had the the Nets and the Wizards, the Heat, the Bulls. I mean, it's like <laughs> there's, there's a lot going was, on there. It was weird to actually see teams in the East trying to get better. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, it, it, it maybe not weird to see them trying, maybe weird to see that they achieved it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, because for the last few years, we've had that big run of everyone saying, I want to play out West, right? Like, yeah, I want to play in yeah. California. I want to play in Washington or in Oregon or in Arizona. And yeah. you have people choosing the East Coast cities now, which is very rare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so of, I mean, there are probably maybe too many deals just to, to go through. Is there is there a specific that that kind of is piquing your interest from any of the teams? Yeah. So we talked a lot about the Heat last week, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on them, but I loved what Pat Riley has done and how he's constructed that team. And and we spoke about this. The Heat for the last 
I don't know, five, six, seven years, really since LeBron has left, have refused to go into this tank mode to acquire assets, to build through the draft, right? Like, like that is not the Pat Riley way. And the way that not only did they get Lowry, they got a point guard who's going to be aggressive, who's going to play well alongside Butler. They re-up Butler. But then you also sign Duncan Robinson and you have uh, Tyler Hero as well who can shoot the three. I like, and you have Bam Adebayo. Like their team without ever really taking a step back and definitively saying we're going to be bad for a few years have consistently put together a winning product. And, you know, if you were to tell me that they were in the finals two years ago, with the roster that they had, I would have said no way, but they did it right. And they did it in a bubble and they did it in a tough situation. And now if you tell me that this is a finals caliber team heading into this year, I'd say, yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. I love yeah. Kyle Lowry. I love him playing alongside Butler. Um, and so I really like what they did. I also really give a tip of the cap to the Washington wizards yeah, because they are doing everything in their power to find a solution for Bradley Beal, right? Like, like it wasn't working with Westbrook. You know, they tried to make it work for years with John Wall and it just didn't work. So the fact now that not only have they flipped Westbrook for Kuzma, Harrell and KCP, and you signed Spencer Dinwiddie, who I thought was one of the better available uh, players in this year's free agent class, you're at least trying to make it work with Bradley Beal and show, showing him that, yeah, you're willing to rework this roster on the fly. You're, re re you're willing to rework it in ways that fit your style. And I thought the way that they got rid of Westbrook and got a first round pick back in return, I thought that was a fantastic move by their GM because unloading Westbrook's money was always going to be the challenge for Washington. And they did it and they got a first back. Considering where Washington was given, you know, what they, I mean, what, what they were working with and what, what their prospects were. I mean, they could have very easily lost both guys. Uh, I, I thought, I thought it was a great off season for them. Um, you know, if you're Bradley Beal, who, who, by the way, was one of the guys who was going to be in the Olympics, if not for COVID, we were talking about from the first segment. So um, I think if you're Bradley Beal, you, you feel like, Hey, you know, management has done all that they that they could do and now it's a matter of kind of going out there and showing what we could do you know you know kuzma is you know been operating in the shadows with the lakers maybe he gets to take a take a larger step a larger role um I, i'm look i mean clearly this the year coming up is not going to be the, the year but they've got some some time um so who who knows why, but why yeah. is washington never a more attractive free agent destination you ever wonder about that? Uh, it seems like a lot of people would want to play in the nation's capital and everything that, that comes along with representing the district. I mean, and it's not like they've been devoid of talent. Yeah. They've just never been able to effectively put that roster together. And, yeah. you know, I always thought uh, watching Wall and Beal play side by side was the most dynamic backcourt there was. But for some reason, that team was always competing for the seventh and eighth spot in the East. And, you know, they're still trying to find a running mate. And Denwee is going to be a good running mate, but I mean, it's not a championship caliber level team. And I've always wondered, like, what is it about the district that is hard? And maybe it's the same problems that Philadelphia has, right? Like it's a big market, but it's cold. It's awful in the winter time. <laughs> and it's not like you're dealing with the bright lights of New York, but I don't know. I, I've just always wondered that because it seems like a place where you could get free agents to sign, but they've just struggled with it. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, you know, it's it, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm not a DC resident. I know some people who, who, you know, friends of mine over the years who are, they, uh, I, I, you know, you're right though. It's, it's not a, it's not a Boston. It's not a Philly. It doesn't, you know, in terms of, you know, cities in the, in the Northeast or, or the, the cold weather spots, I think it's, it doesn't, you know, maybe it doesn't have that, you know, legacy title. Yes. Back in, back in the seventies, but, you know, I guess it doesn't have that kind of, you know, you say Pistons, something comes to mind. Sixers, something comes to mind. You know, Knicks, something comes to mind. Good more than bad, but but something comes to mind. Uh, and I guess with DC, just just in the in the current modern iteration, that just just not getting that. I, I don't I don't yeah. and I can I can't I mean, find a better way to thing, say that. The only thing I, I think of when I think about and this is just you know shows how little DC basketball knowledge that I have. You think about Michael Jordan playing for the then Washington DC, Washington Wizards, right? Like wow. in those blue uniforms and those gold ones that they had for a long time, like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Part of me, part of me forgot about that, but uh, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, Knicks? like, did, uh, did, did you like what your Knicks did? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm a guy who's who's going to want to see. I want I want to see results on the floor. You know, I'm 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 fine. You know. Resigning Rose, you know, uh, great. You know, hey, br- bringing in Mr. Olympia, I, I guess, Mr. Olympics. Like, yeah, how about, I mean, how, how about that? Evan Fournier beats the U.S. <laughs> and then goes and signs with the New York Knicks. I love that he yeah. dropped it on his Instagram handle and he was like, hey, yeah. New York, what's up? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you, you know, please don't be this guy, like, you know, lighten it up for France and then you come in with, you know, like seven and three. Like, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't tease me. Like if you go if you go produce for France against Team USA, like you know basically playing against an all you know list of all stars, like so I I don't I don't know which 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 Evan Fournier we're gonna get, but but you know we'll we'll see. I'm I like I'm I'm ex- I was excited for the year that they had last year. Uh, obviously, you want to see you want to see more, but I, I think that there's just a lot more that they're gonna have to cut through. Um, you know, including including the team we haven't really spent a lot of time on this this uh, this show is, is the Nets. I mean, yeah, you know, we, so Durant. Um, you assume that that Harden uh, has has you know lost the beignet and the and the, <laughs> lost the croissant weight and and, and Kyrie's going to be healthy and and you know you got Patty Mills like I mean, shit. I mean these these guys these guys should have been in the finals if not for the you know, we, we joke about you know the size eighteen shoe the sixteen shoe. But, What's what's your take on, on Brooklyn and how that, have they taken a step? They're the best team in the Eastern Conference, hands down, and it, and it's okay. not close. And so I I was worried about how KD would come back from that Achilles because I think mm-hmm. Achilles injuries can just tear a basketball player apart, right? Like you cut, you jump, you, you do everything on your Achilles, <clears throat> and he showed no ill signs of that affecting him at any point last year. And he showed no ill signs of him being concerned about an injury in the playoffs. And when this team, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing exactly what you said about the Lakers, right? When they are healthy, they yeah. are on paper, I think unbeatable. They can hit you with their shooting. They have a unicorn and KD who still at the age of 32 can do so many different things that so many different people can't, right? Like the length, the athleticism, the shooting ability is there. The handles, like there's nobody like him in the association. If he had Giannis's strength, he'd be unbeatable at every level. Um, But he has that just 
I'm going to beat you. And I, I, I just don't see how anyone in the East can touch them, regardless of what happened in that series against the Bucks, because they were up 2-0 on the Bucks, right? And, and you look at it in the sense of if Kyrie's healthy, if Harden doesn't get hurt, it still took them seven games to topple the yeah. Nets. And, yeah. you know, that was KD coming back, offering it off an injury where, you know, his legs probably still weren't there. His conditioning probably still wasn't there for an entire NBA season. And so I just think with a full NBA calendar with a, you know, an off season where it's not all going to be about rehab, it's going to be about rest for him after this Olympic trials. um, It's going to be good for them. But on the back end, I think, you know, the Sixers needed to make moves to get better and they didn't. Um, and so I, I wonder about them and I wonder just how much they can really work with Ben Simmons this year and how much of a distraction that's going to be because you already see reports about Ben Simmons is not talking to the Sixers front office. Well, Ben Simmons probably should talk to the Sixers front office because if he played better in the playoffs, they wouldn't be in this situation and he'd be tradable. But with him not even working with the front office, it creates more problems than it does good. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, I, I would have thought that the Sixers and Bucks would be their biggest challengers, and I just don't see it if everyone's healthy. Yeah, yeah, no, with with uh, specific reference to the Sixers, um, they're going to have a problem. I, I think they're going to have a problem because if you know, th- this is not a you can't just like roll the ball out and everyone's just you know run up and down and, and you know and get it done. They're not going to have the level of success they had last year. Not in not in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, um, I mean, they're going to get smacked back hard if they don't you know you know. <laughs> Find, find these guys need to find a way to to uh to address some things <laughs> does it feel like this is the last year of their window if they don't do something effective with simmons like theoretically if you trade a ben simmons for a dame lillard like that's a net positive for the sixers but if they run it back with this crew and they get to the eastern conference quarterfinals and bow out is that the end of this team's potential window well, you know, look, it, it depends on how they bow out. You know, if, if they uh, if they take the Nets to a to a game seven in overtime, uh, then you you could say, okay, we you know we 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 did our best against the healthy Nets squad, uh, assuming they're healthy. Uh, if on the other hand they they you know nobody wants to well <laughs> nobody wants to 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 uh, to uh, take the take the the bunny layup, um, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they and they lose to say a, a Wizards team that that you know that Philly Philly fans would say is beneath them. Um, <laughs> although now I might you know might might you know beg to beg to differ. Uh, so I think it depends that you know the, the kind of loss that they that they might sustain should they even sustain one. Should they get there? <laughs> you know, that's that's the other side of it. But um, so. I wanted to ask you. So this is a, we we don't often approach things in this way when I think when we talk about this kind of stuff. And you're, you're more of the cap guy. You've got more of that, 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 that skill set. I'm wondering given the, where teams are and what they've done, where this leaves them for, you know, next season or maybe beyond next season, like take the Lakers. They're obviously all the chips to the middle of the table in right now. Um, Brooklyn kind of the same way. Do, do you get it? Do you feel like they're okay? I could see what some teams are doing and there are other teams like, what the hell just happened here? So I, I'm always amazed about how teams manipulate the cap, right? And how much teams are willing to pay into the luxury tax. And because it's not like 
the, the NFL, for instance, right? The NFL, you can manipulate contracts to the best of your ability. But at the end of the day, you're ultimately still going to have to pay that money. But right, like you can restructure, you can front load, you can give signing bonuses to bring the overall cap number down. In the NBA, you can't do that, right? Like if you sign, for instance, when the Magic signed Nick Vucevic to a four-year, I think it was an $80 million deal. They did it in a sense that it was a de-escalating contract. So what that means is it paid the most out the first year, and then it got less as the contract went on. For teams like the Lakers, I'm amazed that they were able to bring in the salary of Russell Westbrook and fit it under the cap in the way that they did and still use their mid-level exceptions. But I think ultimately they're still, because in my mind, this team is not good enough to win an NBA finals. I I think you're still asking a lot of wear and tear on LeBron at the age that he is. And you've left yourself in no possible way to get better next year, right? Like, Like the older LeBron gets, now you have less assets to acquire young players. You have less, you have a less ability to ship players out that are attractive to other teams. And so like, it's very hard to mortgage 10 years of your franchise for a two-year window. And when I look at teams like the Lakers and ultimately what we talked about this a little bit off air, right? Like when Katie signed that four-year extension, I was very surprised because more times than not now you see high level players that are in that top 10 signing one or two year deals. And people say, why do they do that? They, they don't get the insurance behind it. No, but they put pressure on the team to consistently use their assets to get better. Right. Like that's why LeBron for a long time in Cleveland signed those one year deals because he wanted to make sure that they were doing everything possible to supplement that roster around him. KD's now given all that leverage away to the Nets. Like they don't have to mortgage their future because they have them for the next six years. LeBron, who has not signed an extension, has theoretically told the Lakers, I still need everything around me and you're still going to do everything you can to get better. And so, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough question to ask because I don't know their cap numbers ex- or exclusively, but I was amazed at everything they were able to fit under and I, they have nothing moving forward. And it, makes me scratch my head why do teams do this to themselves and the lakers are one of them well i think in the, in the case of the lakers i mean i think we answered it you know at, at the top you know do they have enough to win now and the and i think the answer is is and while i said an emphatic yes and i still would say an emphatic yes if there's a healthy net squad that's standing on the other side having played through you know whatever the season is going to be um that that's that's going to be i will agree with you that's going to be an uphill climb but from the standpoint of the lakers Look, no one's guaranteed anything. You could, you know, we've seen, you know, the best squads on the floor and not make it. So if you've got a LeBron, you got an Anthony Davis, you best put those chips at the middle of the table now. And uh, the hell with 23, 24, and 25, 26. I mean, I, I, yeah, you know. but, but here's, here's a perfect example to build off that. The Major League Trade Deadline, Major League Baseball Trade Deadline just came and went, right? And while Major League Baseball does theoretically have a, have a salary cap with the luxury tax that teams have to pay if they are over, look at what the Dodgers did. Look at what the Padres did. Look at what the Giants did, for instance, right? All California-based teams, but they were able to bring players in because one, they operated under that luxury tax, and two, they had assets to go and get players at the deadline to supplement the holes in their roster. Now, 
NBA trade deadline comes in February, right? How does this Lakers squad in any way, shape, or form get better in the middle of the year? They, they can't. They, there's no way they can't because they're so far up against the cap and they have no assets to trade out. It's the same reason I've yelled at the Chiefs for years for running with this Stars and Jags um, philosophy that they do because it gives you no ability to sign players that, one, either come up under random circumstances. And it happens in the NFL every year, like a wide receiver gets cut or a running back gets cut, like Leonard Fournette last year, right? The Chiefs couldn't go sign him despite the fact that they needed a running back because they had no cap room. They couldn't sign anyone under the cap. And that's what's going to be, that's what's going to happen to the Lakers. Like they're going to be good going into the season, but once they see everyone else making moves to get better around them in February, they have to stand pat. You know, before I answer, I want to, I want to uh, throw this out. So next season, I would love our producers to get, to get a sponsor. And, and basically it would be is this week's Kansas reference is brought to you by Aaron Berlin. <laughs> it's just it's frustrated me for so long because like people are like, yeah, the chiefs need a number two receiver. They can't do it, man, because they got to, and they can't do it until they sign uh, Tyron Matthew to an extension so they can bring his cap number down so they can bring someone else in to operate under the cap this year. So it's just like people are like, yeah, I love these players. I want to bring them all back. Yeah, you no, can't, I, though. You can't. No. You got to say goodbye to them at some point. That's yeah. what professional sports is about. Yeah. So, so the other side of professional sports is, is that I, like, as a Yankees fan, like, I don't understand what you, all that stuff you just said, we go out and we get who the hell we want to get. Like that's, that's how, that's how it works in my house. You guys you know? are Rizzo, you guys, oh, man, you guys are everybody. That's going to be a good team. Be a good team uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, hell, they might have a talent to convince to contend for the NBA championship. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's asking too much. I know. Um, man. Uh, so one team we didn't touch on, uh, on, and it, just because there's a, it always seems to be, they always seem to be on on the cusp of, of, of you know, greatness. Portland, Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Like, I mean, Dame has just, it, it, it will, it will kill me to, to like not have him get that chance to, 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 you know, be be on an NBA final stage. I would love to see what that looks like. I just don't know how, like, you know. You get the, you ever get the feeling with some people's careers that their career arc is just not bending that way, and I, my fear is that that might be what happens with him. Yeah, you know. Um, so there's so I mean, how many quarterbacks were crushed because they played in the same era as Tom Brady, right? Yeah. How many players didn't get an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, or should have won more Super Bowls because they had to go up against Tom Brady and the Patriots team. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing that's held so many Eastern conference teams back for so long because LeBron played in the East. Uh, but with Portland, it's, it's a different story because they've had so many opportunities and that franchise has done everything. It, it's, it's a lot like the, the props that I gave to the wizards early on, right? Like, the Wizards are doing everything they can to supplement that roster around Bradley Beal. And the Trailblazers have done that for years with Dame Lillard, right? Like they've drafted smart. They've made moves where they thought it could help them defensively. They have a great culture. They have a fan base that loves that team. And for whatever reason, it's been the Warriors. It's been LeBron. It's been... The Suns, the Jazz, you know, the Nuggets are good, and it's tough to win in the West. 
but they've just never had that third. I mean, and CJ McCollum's been good and they've been real, they've been a great pairing together in that backcourt, but they've never really had that third player down low that could help them a lot. And, and I think that's been their Achilles heel for a long time that, and you know, their defensive numbers have been awful for years too. Like great offensive team crummy on the defensive side, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's why I, I really thought that if the Blazers went out and they made a deal for Ben Simmons, that that would give Dame Lord an opportunity to win in Philadelphia. It would make that Sixers team better. And on the back end, it would give, it would give the Blazers an all-star that they can build around and assets back in return, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to bring it back to full circle to the top of the show, uh, every time I see Kevin Durant, you know, achieve something highlight real multi, you know, whatever metal, I think of one guy, Greg Oden. Oh yeah. I, I cannot the guy help. They took over him. Exactly. The guy that, so, so, um, <laughs> So uh, KD was chosen num- number number two by by the Seattle SuperSonics back when they back when the, before the franchise moved to, to Oklahoma City, uh, and and yeah, the Portland Trailblazers is still great. What, what's worse, those cities are separated by a three hour car ride, and they are the one two pick in that that year's NBA draft. And you have the Blazers taking one of the biggest bus, and then you have the SuperSonics taking one of the best players. And then yeah, and then they lose their franchise. But 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 <laughs> which, I mean, they only lose their franchise. Lose a franchise that maybe it's safe to say had one of the best trios of players under under 25, I think under 25 rookie scale contracts. They were affordable and they, they go to what, what they went to one NBA or not even, they didn't go to an NBA finals. They went to no, no, of course they did. Finals, right? No, no, they, no, they, they played, uh, they played, uh, played the heat. Oh, that's right. And then the last year that Katie wasn't there, they lost in the Western conference finals, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe so, but they definitely did make a West. Uh, they definitely did make an NBA Finals against against Miami. So it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was LeBron's first uh, ring. Uh, yes, it was. So yeah, we, you know, just the, the layers and the you know NBA NBA coming coming back again. You know, just crazy stuff. Absolutely, fun times. We're off to another new league year, but yeah, that was dope. <laughs> Well, Aaron, as you've referenced, you know, we are in that time of year, summer league and, you know, lots of things, interesting ha- things happen all, you know, during the summer, not just summer league. Uh, what are, what's, what's going on? What's in your mind? What are you seeing? Yeah. So the NBA has said, you know, and we just did a whole segment on free agency and we didn't touch on this at all because the NBA has recently announced that they're going to start doing some investigating into some of the belief tampering that they believe went on during free agency. <clears throat> and a lot of this has to do with like sign and trades that were agreed upon and broke within maybe 30 minutes of free agency opening at six o'clock last Monday. And what I have to say to the NBA, get over it. Everybody knows it's happening, right? Like tampering can be anything from an agent texting someone in the front office saying like, hey, are you interested in my player? If so, I already have this deal worked out with the Bulls. And the whole idea that tampering does not go on behind the scenes is ludicrous to me because these moratorium periods, these ideas that conversations are not taking place is almost as bad as the NCAA saying that there's been no illegal recruiting going on in college basketball for years. 
It happens. Get over it. It does not hurt the game. Players end up where they want to go. Teams end up with the players that they want. And you know what? If a sign and trade happens, the team who's losing someone gets compensation back. It's a win-win. So why do you care? Well said. I look, I've always reviewed review that or viewed that as that's when the deals get announced. <laughs> not, not, that's just that's exactly just, like these deals have happened way beforehand. Like yeah. the idea that there are not conversations going on two weeks beforehand. Come on. Come yeah. on. That's what that's when the you embargo talk to your friend, the commissioner, you know, your body <laughs> double, be like, what's going on with this? Exactly. Yeah, we got to do something about that. Let's fix that. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, there are a couple things on my mind. I, so I got a one and I got a one eight. So the one is uh, the, the, apparently the league is going to look at summer league and, and try to tamp down on this kind of a natural shot motion, which I mean, has infuriated me. I like, I can't stand guys like jumping to the left or right, like three feet in either direction or forward or back and like claiming that's how they shoot jump shots. Dude, you shot 90 jump shots before the game. Not once did I see you jump left, right, lurch forward and backwards. So I think if you guys do that, that should be the foul. I think right away, offensive foul. You jump into somebody, that's a foul. Like, and I know the league doesn't want to do that because I feel like that's going to, you know, you know, it's a more defensive-minded or potentially low, you know, lower the score of games, and that's not what fans want. But Yeah, they just don't want to do anything that takes away from the offensive prowess of the game, right? Right, but jumping into people – and by the way – Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Clay Thompson got hurt one of his times with a, with a leg kick in, in the finals. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, he so, did. Yeah, so those things have like bad consequences when you do them. Just you know, play your game, man. If you, you like, if, you, if your game is true, you'll it's it's all good. Not to say that injuries don't happen to guys who are playing the right way, but jumping into people is generally not a good strategy. I've always learned. So, so my one A. Arenas are full. It's Vegas, uh, and Vegas in case you forgot, is Vegas. And now we got Delta and the variants. I don't know if you've seen them. They're coming to a town near you to play soon. Um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen and how this is going to affect NFL venues and then NBA venues when, you know, when we get back to that sport. Uh, and they, you know, the NBA venues are indoor, whereas the NFL venues are largely outdoor, not exclusively outdoor, but largely outdoor. I'm, I'm concerned, man. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, absolutely. Because we'd gotten to this point in the playoffs where we pretty much saw packed NBA arenas, right? And there was a sense of normalcy. And you asked if, you know, Delta and the variants had come through my town. Yeah, they've been here for a long time. You know, they, they never actually went away, but people thought that they did. But no, they've been they've been playing at the local bar for about the last year and a half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, they never went away. But until we figure out how to get this under control, we're going to have to answer these questions and it creates a really interesting point. And this might not be something we talk about in the next week or two, but in the next few weeks, but how the NBA players association approaches this because players for the longest time this past year felt exiled. They felt like they were under strict controls for most of the year up until things started opening back up and they're going to have to deal with a lot of the same I don't want to call them issues, but maybe some of the same processes that the NFL Players Association and the NFL is going through right now with how they're conducting training camps, how they're dealing with players that are not only vaccinated, but ones that, you know, choose not to get vaccinated, which is a choice of their own right. But then how those two mesh together uh, and the different protocols that they have. Um, 
And so it's going to be fascinating to see how the or how the NBA Players Association approaches this over the next few months, especially as we work towards a new calendar year and how the league approaches it. Definitely. And just to, just to put a bow on it, uh, uh, there were a number of cases, I forget, I, it wasn't like five or 10, a, a larger number of cases that were supposedly tied to the Deer District. So the, the, the yeah. fan venue uh, viewing area outside the, the, and, the Pfizer and, Forum. And, and Otto, it's worth noting that Every, I, th- I think it was every two weeks, the NBA would put out the amount of players that were tested and the amount of confirmed uh, results that they had throughout the course of the season. And their numbers were always like out of 450 tests, one return positive. So if you follow protocols, if you do what you're asked to do, then you can get it under control because the NBA is a perfect example of they navigated an entire season with protocols before the vaccine was available and after the vaccine was available. And they showed that it works. And so if we just follow the protocols, we can make it work. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. (sighs) Absolutely. But Otto, always good, my man. Always love chatting with you. Uh, But it's time to wrap things up this week. As always, a special thanks to our producer. He is the one. He is the only Daniel Kramer. And to our editor, Kristen Woolley. Also, big ups to the king of content, our CCO and EP. He is back from his trip in Colorado. He is the the double B. He is Bruce Bernstein. And as for the rest of us here at Pure Hoops Media has to offer, the Mike Weiss Show each week brings you entertaining takes, incredible stories, and high-level guests. Full Court with Fisher and Kay has plenty of great college hoops talk. Monica McNutt and King McClure have buckets, boards, and blocks every single Thursday. And BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And Otto and I are back every Tuesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. And we just talked about that band, Delta and the Variants. Uh, so, you know, you know what I'm going to say. Our big hope for this year is that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine so we can finally put this pandemic to an end. But we're not there yet. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and maintaining that social distance. Also, don't forget about the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So, from my partner, Aaron Berlin, I'm Otto Strong. Till next time, everybody. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.